1: inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to
2: Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and on the line we have Brenda Jensen of Hidden Springs Creamery in Westby, Wisconsin. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Brenda. Thank you for having me. You bet. One of my favorite things about your website is that right on the top of the homepage, above a photo of you and your husband Dean, you have it written in all caps. I never planned on being a cheesemaker. So with that, I wanted to start off by asking you a little bit about your background and how you ended up being a cheesemaker if you never planned on it.
3: Sure. Well, I had I grew up on a little farm. Um, my parents both worked off off the farm, and uh, we had just you know pets here and there and. And we were the primary caretakers of those, but it was fun growing up. But then I went off into the business world, got a degree, got an MBA, um, was doing that sort of thing, and really enjoyed working with people. And um, my husband and I married. We have a blended family. We both had children before in other marriages, and we... Got a little hobby farm and he he was really the the push behind that hobby farm. He was a city kid and always dreamed of farming and I realized it was work and I oh, didn't yeah. think he knew that really.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he <laughs> yeah. found out pretty quick.
3: Yeah, yeah, we found out pretty quick <laughs> and uh he had a dream of milking something again, you know. Um he really didn't know what that was all about and uh so yeah, it was all his kind of um, romanticizing the whole farm environment.
2: You had the reality of that environment. In- yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool.
2: How did your experience before making cheese help you to start your business, so your MBA and all of that? It must have helped you out.
3: Well, I, oh, definitely. I, um, I, In the business world, i doing some sales and marketing, uh, working with people. The last job I um, had, we'll say in that real world, was an operations manager in a packaging plant. So mm. I learned about um, uh, labels and um, you know good labels, bad labels, good looking labels, you know all those kinds of things, as as along with good food practices, good manufacturing practices. Sure. Um, visiting Snickers plants and um, <laughs> you know Mars plants and. Rice crispy plant, you know, all those kind of things, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a real learning experience for me.
2: I'm always fascinated with factories in general, you know. Um, the processes there are so uh, they're so solid, you know, um, and the the processes are what run the the building, you know. I mean, it's um it's, it goes against my nature somewhat, um, although I'm a process oriented person inside, you know, but but i'm um, i'm always amazed at factories of all types you know and just how how that that um that assembly line works you know and i'm sure that that it, it i'm sure it meets it out um in the way that you produce your cheese and package it up and send it up too
3: it it does it's kind of ingrained in me to try to do it the most efficient way yeah and sometimes starting out small, real small um It takes you a couple years to think about, like, oh, yeah, I should be doing this, you know. Sure. It should take me half the time. Um, But it happens, you know. You start to just think out, you know, back to the plant and um, how do they run things and and why. And, yeah, I I do time studies, you know. I do. I, I time different jobs. I have... product flow on all my every cheese i make i know the cost the time that goes into it so i don't know if that's normal cheese maker um well it
2: should be if it isn't
3: uh, yeah it's it's ingrained in me that way so i know my costs of everything i know how long it takes to do everything um so yeah yeah
2: Yo, we carry Driftless, your wonderful fresh cheese, which I really love. Um, was that the first cheese you made? And can you tell us a little bit about the name, what the Driftless means?
3: Oh, sure. It was the first cheese that we made. Um, I, had, uh, I had hooked up with the Dairy Business Innovation Center right away. We were milking sheep, and we were trying to come up with what cheese to make. Yeah. And I had this uh, group that brought these different sheep cheeses from all over, And none of them really grabbed me. And I had tasted a a mitsa crema um, from Spain. Yeah. Just really grabbed hold of me and wouldn't let go kind of thing. And I thought, yeah. And it was also not as complex in in making. Um, And so I I wanted to start out not too complex. I had good milk, um, a new cheese maker, and wanted to make something that... um, I didn't have to store in a long time, either.
2: Right. That, no, that all makes sense. I mean, and all you would really doing, you're just acidifying the milk, right, and straining and then sending it along on its way, right? I mean...
3: Right. What a natural process, really. You know, a little salt, little enzymes, yeah. and uh, you've got this wonderful cheese, and then I can remember I took it to my first farmer's market, and um, people were really wowed by it. I took it to my first uh, sale. My, I sold my first cheese, the Driftless Natural, um, in Lacrosse at the People's Food Co-op.
2: How oh, cool.
3: They said to me, well, we'll take a case of every flavor.
2: <sighs>
3: I went, oh, my gosh, I better get some flavors.
2: Let's get, get some flavors together. But the, yeah. the Driftless is a place, though, right? It is.
3: It's the it's the driftless area, and it runs a long span um, through Wisconsin into Minnesota. It's the unglaciated part of of Wisconsin. So we've got the wonderful rolling hills. but a perfect place to to raise dairy sheep. Um, it's just a, a really nice breezy atmosphere. Not too hot. Not too cold. Just perfect. Good place to. to uh, Raise good grass and have dairy sheep out there on
2: the pastures. Awesome. Could you also talk to us a little bit about the story behind uh, Bohemian Blue and your collaboration with uh, Tony and Julie Hook?
3: Sure. I am uh, first Bohemian, I think a little bit Bohemian by nature and by origin. My nice. grandparents were um, Bohemian, uh, Lucy and Louis Lustaka. Um and so, I knew I wanted to make a blue, but with that fresh cheese in the plant, and being a new cheese maker, I really did not want to take a chance of um, damaging the the driftless cheese yeah. so um, good friend Tony Hook, who made the best blue cheese um, we we talked one night and decided that maybe we'd do some sheep milk cheese and try it, and I asked him to make some and so what we did is, in collaboration, we would split the batches kind of thing, um, and he would keep, keep some of the cheese for him making it, and then I would take some for providing the milk. So, um, And there was also that tariff at the time. I don't remember if you remember back then that they were talking about this big tariff on I do. Um, On the Rote for cheese. Oh, yeah. And was it going to continue to sell? and so we thought this was great
2: timing. That's happened more than once actually. I mean
3: Oh, okay. That we ha- waiting for it to happen again. Yeah, right?
2: I mean I think that they, I first remember that happening in like then in like the 90s and maybe like 98 or 99 it was all about banana the banana tariff um and Oh, yeah. remember they they sort of um we sort of went and cherry picked some, uh, European products to, uh, put a hundred percent tariff on and Roquefort was one of those. Um, and, um, yeah, so it makes sense. I mean, sheep's milk cheese, I mean, sheep's milk from, for me is, um, is the best milk to make cheese out of, um, or as a, as a cheese monger, you know, I gravitate towards sheep's milk. Um, it's so rich and wonderful, and I feel like it you know it, it uh it fights back in all the right ways against um you know against the Roquefort culture that you add in, you know, so you get this like really solid wall of dairy you know, um, yeah. and these like yeah. really finely um, uh, yeah. sort of shown uh, lines of blue, which I really like because the way it looks, as you know, um, you know that that helps to sell the cheese.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's correct, and Tony does a wonderful job with that
2: cheese. That's awesome. I read also that you have a bed and breakfast on your property, and um, we've had other guests who uh, on the show who find this to be a great additional revenue source. Have you seen that impacting what you do on the farm?
3: Well, I think that, you know, when we first started out, we had, um, a little bit like my husband in a farm, um, no idea what time this would all take, right. so... Making milk, um, making cheese, sales and marketing of cheese. So we actually don't have a lot of guests that stay. I, I hate to say it, that I don't answer the phone very often. <laughs> for and breakfast. Um, I get a lot of calls. I've met some wonderful people. Um, some people want to come and and spend the whole whole time with me.
2: Well, I'm sure.
3: And and that makes it a little tough. They're wonderful people, and you know. Right. It's just, it makes it a little tough to be able to go on the cheese plant, and I'm pretty, pretty particular. I'm really particular um, about what goes in that in the plant and right. that. So sometimes people have a little misunderstanding, I think, about how much time we can really spend
2: together. Yeah. Right. Well, then I'm sure that they come there They come there to see you and maybe that hopefully everybody, they, they always want to be a part of the cheese making process, you know. They, they think it's um, it's something that they can just dip into. Um, you know, I'm sure you get that. And um, I'm sure you don't want to let anybody in there <laughs> to, into your it's plan. Also, that's
3: about it, too. There, everybody kind of wants to do it, and then you kind of want to let no one in there. You're exactly right. It's yeah. Just, the things that can, the things that can happen. You know, if I think too hard,
2: it, yeah, yep. Don't think too hard. At least not now. Not while you're with me. You know, you'd right, be good. You'd right. Be good. Um, let me just ask you a question back about the driftless. Um, do you got you because um, is that a seasonal thing for you, or do you have milk all year round?
3: We have milk year round now. We started out probably the first five years um, seasonally milking, and now we're milking year round, no break. Wow. Yeah,
2: um, that's crazy. Year
3: around and growing the herd as well. Really, wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I also uh, I love your feta too. Um, Where did you get the recipe for your feta?
3: Oh, I had uh, a cheesemaker here in Wisconsin uh, by the name of Tom Torkelson came and and taught me um, that feta recipe and and making cheese with him was just wonderful. Oh yeah, um, you know he's the kind of cheesemaker who. It, like me, you know, I'm smelling the milk, you yeah. know, I'm tasting it, I'm all through the process. I'm, you know, my feet are off the ground because it's just, I'm floating kind of thing. And that's how it was making a cheese with him. Uh, you could just tell the passion. And I think that really comes through in this feta. Um, and then we put it in its own way, brine, which really adds to the flavor. And then yeah. we age it. You know, we like to age that six, eight months at yeah. least
2: and it really gives it a wonderful flavor. Yeah, it's super tangy, Ben. But the, but the texture, the problem I have with most with a lot of feta um is that the texture um is is too it's like a too sharp texture, you know? Um and uh I always think feta should be like kind of yielding, you know? Like yours is and uh and uh, and fudgy even, you know? Um it's like, it's sometimes it's it's like, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's like bound a bit, the, the, the mass of curds bound together a little too tightly. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, then it doesn't... Uh, yeah, it, it, I do,
3: and I, I kind of make it the way I like to eat it.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome yeah. stuff. And then uh, you have a little hard cheese, too, that you do, right?
3: I've got a few different hard cheeses. Um, one is the Okuch Mountain. We just yeah. took a, a second place in the hard cheese category with that this year at the... U.S. Cheese Championship. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, we've got that in a couple different sizes. We make that um, in a smaller two and a half pound wheel, and then we've got the grande, uh, which took a fourth place this year. um, Which is a it's about a twelve to fourteen pound wheel, and then we um, wash that rind, and so it makes it. a lot of love goes into that cheese, and we age that on the wooden boards, and and brine it a lot, and brush it, and age that out at least six months to a year.
2: Wow, where'd your recipe derive from that?
3: Is it, well,
2: is it you French? Know, um, my favorite cheese.
3: Well, I shouldn't say my favorite. One of my favorite cheeses sure. is Uplands Pleasant Ridge Reserve. Oh yeah. Um, and so that's that's an inspiration for yeah. that cheese, is that hard cheese, washed rind. And then the sheep milk does put a different different swing on it. So, yeah, um, yeah I guess that was our, our tribute to that. We love that cheese.
2: It's great. Sheep's milk, alpine cheeses are great. Fantastic. Yeah. And a rarity. And I like a lot of the recipes that, or a lot of my favorite sheep's milk, hard sheep's milk cheeses come from uh, the Pyrenees Mountains, um, and they have that sort of similar texture to yours. Um, It's like that word yielding, you know, and um, and then compact and fudgy, really good stuff. Um, Yeah, man, we're going to take a slight break, and then when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about your sheep. Stay with us. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. Before the break, we are talking to Brenda Jensen of Hidden Springs Farm in the great dairying state of Wisconsin. We are talking a little bit about her cheese and the stuff she makes and some things that inspired her to be, both become a cheese maker and um, to make the wonderful stuff that she does. In this portion of the episode, I wanted to talk more about your sheep. So what is it like being a shepherd in cow territory? And is that a fair thing to say about Wisconsin?
3: Well, it is. Um, I, people just don't even believe me when we say we milk sheep. They always say, "Oh, you mean goats, don't you?" <laughs> no,
2: no, no, I don't.
3: <laughs> I, <laughs> we, no, really, we milk sheep. Um, so it is. It's different. Um, and I think once they taste the cheese, that's that's when they they're taken back by it.
2: Hmm. So you get a lot. You get you, you get a lot of inquiries. then, um, but it's kind of a. Not a novelty, that's a weird word to use, but um, not the norm for milking animals in the state of Wisconsin. That's correct. There's probably about 15 to 18 farms that are
3: milking currently in Wisconsin um, sheep. So it's a small um, community, but I think we all do it very well.
2: It's cool. What breed of sheep do you have and why?
3: We have the East Friesian, a German breed, and Lacombe, which is a French breed, the East Frisian would be the milk producers in the group and the Lacone would be the higher butter fat in the group. Nice.
2: How many do you have?
3: We've got about a thousand sheep right now on the property. Wow.
2: And you said you're growing still?
3: And growing still, yes, um, you know there's there's numbers you know I talked about those numbers I got that MBA. Yeah. there's numbers that you have to I believe that you have to to have and sustain um, on a farm in um, knowing how much per pound your milk costs, and then turning that into cheese certainly helps, but we really want to be profitable on the farm as well as on the cheese side
2: and a thousand is where you settle
3: no. Uh, not that we're, we're profitable, but not that's, I don't believe that's where we settle. Um, I I think we're somewhat customer-driven, somewhat how much our property can hold, though, as well.
2: Right. Well, that's the thing, right? You have to have enough grass for them all to eat.
3: Right. That's the thing. And, you know, they're not always eating grass. I mean, I look out right. the window now, and there's... You know snow on the ground um
2: it's coming so here
3: they're not always eating grass but we have great alfalfa for them and um yeah. they are supplemented that way but we've got everything paddocked off um we do rotational grazing yeah. but they're also fed and, and have always access to hay as well
2: that's great um, can you speak even more about your farming practices and how do you think those affect the products you put in the market
3: Oh, I think it's everything. Uh, I mean, I think it's probably the biggest benefit I have as a cheesemaker is that, um, I hate to use that word control, but that we do no. have that control and we know where that milk needs to be to be able to make good cheese. And so it's always the controlling factor is quality first on our farm. Um, quantity is, is, is there, but it's not the the main factor. So... We're constantly watching the numbers and doing testing, and herd health um, is a big thing. Uh, vets are a challenge um, because it's not the norm, and to really specialize in dairy sheep wouldn't be um, in a numbers game. It wouldn't be very profitable for a veterinary. But we do have help. Um, we do have some help with the vet and that. But we've learned a lot through our own what works and what doesn't, and then that. Um, group of dairy sheep farmers also in the state who've been doing it longer than us.
2: I'm sure that they're always willing to give you a hand. It's it's true that as a cheesemaker, and um, you know, and I'm seeing this in the market now. Um, it, it, you you must be really happy that you know that you only are using your own milk. You know what I mean? There's like you say, there's so much less control. Um, when you're purchasing milk from another source, right? I mean, that adds a whole other li- level and line of questions for you that you don't have to answer.
3: Definitely. I I, I lose sleep over that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely the way to go for us to be able to have that control of that milk, every milking, every sheep, and if that sheep isn't producing what the type of milk we want it to we we pull that sheep out of the group. Um, we can either try to... Um, get that health back up, or or it's going to have to to go on to another another place. So we'll just have to say it that
0: way. But we we
3: take that very serious.
2: What's your biggest challenge in being a shepherd?
3: The biggest the biggest one it's I think it's understanding um, the sheep and the health needs of of these sheep. There's not a lot of um, they say every sheep. In the United States, dairy sheep is related, and so getting new breeding in is really important or critical to I think the dairy sheep industry here in Wisconsin or in the in the U.S. Right. Actually, um, you just get the same, the same. You're just going to multiply your problems.
2: So it's the health, or it's the 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 overall herd health is your biggest your biggest hurdle. Right. That makes sense. How about the challenges of being a farmstead cheese producer? Like, what resources are out there for you?
3: Well, there used to be the Dairy Business um, Innovation Center um, in Wisconsin, but that is no longer there. I think it's really the other cheesemakers who have been doing this longer. Um, and then also the farmstead producers themselves um, it it is kind of a challenge though sometimes you can get very wrapped up and very busy in your own little world um, and forget you know that there's other other folks out there that you can you can maybe talk to and lean on so um, it is challenging you get some um, very inward thinking or looking sometimes just being on the farm and you don't leave sometimes for weeks you know yeah. Um, but I do and the then same again, thing. Sometimes, you know what the best thing is, is I don't leave the farm for weeks. Right, so, um, right. Yeah, you know, it's a two-edged sword kind of thing because I really love where I live and and what I do. So um, it's a blessing and a curse.
2: I do the same thing. I mean, you know, I work in a store. And we're busy all the time, you know, and I and, you know, you want to get out there and see what other people are doing, you know, just just to see, you know, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of doing my own homework. I don't check a lot on other businesses in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm too invested in what i what I do, my own my own deal. But it is super helpful to just take your head up out of the out of the pots, you know, and uh, and get out there, you know, and see see what else is going on and see who else is doing what. It's good that you have a great community and, like, such a dairying history in Wisconsin, and that so that people are, I'm imagining, pretty forthcoming with information and with help.
3: Oh, it is. It's, um... Yeah, I, 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 there's cheese makers in the state who tell you anything you ask them. Some aren't that way, um, you know. But some just want to be helpful because you really, none of us really want to go copy each other. We yeah. want to make, we want to just make the best cheese from our milk and what we do here at Hidden Springs. But yeah, they they know some tricks of the trade, kind of thing, and it's very helpful. Another thing is the American Cheese Society. Going to that every year really exposes me to, the, to good things. I mean, I just can't say enough about what kind of education, um, seeing people, uh, that whole experience is, is great for me.
2: That's awesome. What's your favorite thing about raising sheep?
3: Could you repeat that?
2: What's your favorite thing about raising the sheep?
3: Sheep are just so sweet. They're oh, just yeah. so pleasant. They they don't get mean or angry. Um, a little confused sometimes uh-huh. I'm always afraid but um they're just easy to work with. Um, they they don't kick you, they don't bite you.
2: <laughs>
3: they they're they're just a sweet, sweet, honest animal.
2: That's really cool. And do they do they give you milk um as long as you keep them that way? You know?
3: Right, we we say that we take good care of them, and they'll take good care of us. So we we believe that.
2: You got it. You got it. Do you um you do you also uh, use the other parts of your sheep, like in terms of the meat and the wool?
3: Uh, we we don't. Um, the dairy sheep aren't um, especially known for yeah. their meat. Um, we do make some things. You know, we do have some calls. We'll make some great sausage. Yeah. And, And that sort of thing, Um, but it's not our primary focus. So um, we do um, get the sheep shorn twice a year for hygiene purposes, but it doesn't make the best when you're cutting it two times a year. Yeah. um, It makes, but again, it's for our quality of product that we're we're making those decisions.
2: That's like everything you do, you fold back into your cheese making. That's really, you know, or that's how it seems to me, you know, and also as a purchaser of your cheese, you know, that's cool. And as an as an, an ending note, if you, what would you say to a, to a, an aspiring cheesemaker that wanted to raise some sheep? What would they? What would what would your advice to them be?
3: I would say to try to apprentice or partner with somebody who's been doing it for a while. It's it's such a learning curve to learn about the sheep. And and get that milk thing down before you go off and and try to make cheese. To me, it had been too much. We made we were producing milk for about five years prior to even starting in the cheese business, and um, that might not have been long enough really to really give it justice. But it's a big learning curve.
2: Wait, what were you doing with the milk before you made the cheese? Were you selling it?
3: We were. Um, Old Chatham We were freezing that milk And selling it to Out in New York To Old Chatham
2: Pretty awesome. Well, I want to say thanks so much, Brenda, for coming on the phone with me today and uh, just letting us know about your great dairy. And um, you know, thanks for all the wonderful products you put out. And um, you know, keep doing that because we'll keep we'll keep buying it. I promise. <laughs> Thank
3: You very much.
2: Yeah, you bet. Have a great weekend and uh, or great week rather. And um, stay tuned for more cutting the curd. Ciao.